We're actually going now. All right. This is take two, right? Oh, God. We, we spoke for 40 minutes, and uh, what happened? The card went bad? The card went bad because we were talking about appointment with fear. And it killed itself. It right. committed suicide because it didn't want to talk about our topic, which is going to be bad movies. We'll tear your soul apart. Stinks! I don't know. I like it. I'm not an expert, but speaking strictly as a mother... You fool! Stink! Turd. Turd. There's gotta be a scarier part to that movie than that, kids. Uh, <laughs> Turd. What do you think? It stinks! Tear him up! Episode 5, Bad Movies. We're trying again. Try it again. Luckily, it's good company. I'm Evan Dorkin. I'm Paul Yelovich. This is Tear Them Apart. We're actually doing this much better because last time we were laughing throughout the introduction because we never do our introductions. This episode <laughs> we're basically talking about... We hope we are. Good movies, good bad movies, yes. movies that are barely movies. <laughs> yeah. Movie movies. Mm, and, mm. But not movie movie with George C. Scott. No. I'm going to highlight four movies that we've seen fairly recently within our group of viewers... And friends were the four that really made either us either laugh a lot or very unhappy. Because or actually get headaches. Right. Films were headache-inducing. Some of them are just badly made. Right. Some of them are technically badly made. Right. Some are badly written. Some are badly Put the, acted. Yeah. Some are just, there's a no talent in charge. Like Ed Wood thoroughly believes in the project. And no one just pats this person on the back and goes, I do not understand what's going on in this movie. I don't understand what happened. What's going on? Because watching it, some of these films, the plot's not important. Even in the movies where plot is important, you can't worry about it. If you watch this thing and you try to put the, you will, you will be very unhappy. And two of them, if you watch them, you will, you might turn them off. You might turn all four of these off, actually. Right. You might not even try to watch it. You might not even try to watch it. You gave up on one of them and then went back to it. I watched one of these and I almost turned it off, even though I was enjoying it because it was... A visceral experience. It was actually, I felt like there was somebody was doing LSD mind control on me. It was the CIA was actually making me watch this film to give up something or to murder. If you are the kind of moviegoer who, who likes the Ed Wood films, fond of movies that, that a lot of people go, that's the worst movie I ever saw in my life. Goes beyond, you know, Plan 9 and The Room and Troll 2 and stuff like that. You really do enjoy bad movies. We're just going to talk a little bit about bad movies we enjoy. Why we think they're bad, good, good, bad. Technically good, technically bad. Right. A movie like The Keep, which is terrible. Absolutely fucking terrible. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I hated it. I was really surprised how bad it was. But it's a well-made, technically, you know, shot well, Hollywood production. Hollywood production. But that's just a boring, bad, unenjoyable movie. You know, we're we're talking about, they're not boring. No. Generally. No, a good bad movie, right. you have to be engaged through most of it. And it's bad throughout. It's it, bad it's throughout. Not, it doesn't just all of a sudden go, wow, the ending crap. Yeah, out, and or... for me, I just want people to do things that the filmmaker should have said, you have to cut that out. That take is terrible. Right. That delivery is terrible. This makes no sense. Right. They just fail on every level as a normal viewing experience. Yeah. They are the kinds of movies that you tell your friends, you should see this. My daughter... Uh, I'm not making fun of her. She goes, why do you like watching horrible movies? Because I told her, I don't watch horror movies. I watch horrible movies. She goes, is it a horror movie tonight or a horrible movie? I go, I think it's going to be horrible. She goes, I don't know why you're watching something 
that you know you're not going to like. And I told her, I said, sometimes it's more fun to watch a movie that's just a mess. I, I, I reminded her of a book that she enjoyed reading that she hated, but it was so poorly written. She just made fun of it, pointed out what was wrong with it. How the, and I said, that's exactly the same. Sometimes you get pleasure out of peeking into a mindset and a, at an experience that has nothing to do with logic and reality. These are the movies that are the equivalent of William Shatner doing Rocket Man. Right. And Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. When Pat Miller and I were driving over Lotterette, FMU, somebody on FMU is playing Mr. Tambourine Man. Okay. And we're crying. We had never heard it before. We're going up the hill. Just as we hit the golf course, Shatner yells out, Mr. Tambourine Man. Pat actually goes off the road. Okay. He actually says, I remember, he goes, I'm crying. And he's crying and laughing and I'm crying and laughing. If you think William Shatner's Mr. Tambourine Man is funny, good, is bad, good, that's what we're talking about, I think. Mr. Tambourine Man! Find a lot of movies by just watching trailers on YouTube. I, I saw this trailer. It looked hilarious. I tracked it down. I saw it. Immediately told you you had to watch it because I thought you would get an amazing kick out and of it. And it was true. You told me that I had to make an appointment with fear. The Egyptians had something to say about dreams. They believed that when a person sleeps, his other self goes out and does things. Appointment with fear. When love turns to hate. I need him. Where life becomes death. <laughs> appointment with fear. An appointment with fear. And you were watching it, I believe, at the time. I said, I'm making an appointment right now. It's a, uh, it's the first of the, um, it's the, we're going to, we're recommending it. It's a beautiful <laughs> fucking mess. I, I'm looking at, I have a couple of badly sketched notes and I wrote, I love this. It's from 1985. It, one of the reasons why it's so muddled and a mess is it turns out that the, when the producer saw the original cut, he didn't like it. And changed a lot of things. <laughs> but he puts out this. And the director leaves. The director's an Alan Smithy. Yeah. But the funny thing is, they do a pretty good job on the reshoots. Technically, the movie is well made. We don't. That doesn't mean it's good. Right. It doesn't mean it, it's stylish. Right. Unlike some of the other movies we're going to talk about, this movie is competently made. At no point in the movie do you go, I can't see what's going on in the dark. Right. Uh, at no point do you go, but wait a minute, who is that? Well, actually, you do that all the time. But there's, there's no stunning plot development that comes out of nowhere it's just stuff right. the movie is a collection of stuff so the plot you don't care about the plot after a while each new scene opens and presents a new series of madness of, of hurdles ideas plot texture character details but no actual nothing good right it's just like the backgrounds of a mad comic with no foregrounds it's just stuff going on with a semblance of a plot. Now, it's funny because I didn't know they cut the stuff together because they do have characters interact. The cop, who is ostensibly our main character at first, talks to the Jughead character at one point. And these characters... Interesting enough, they spent money, I think is what we're trying to say. And they worked with actors who were up and coming or were old character actors. So this wasn't like some completely fumbling around local production. It's an L.A. shot film. They use real cameras. They use cars. They have car chases. They go to lots of locations. So it does not feel like one of those piece of garbages that you're watching where it's one location, four characters, there's 
tons of shit they did not need in this movie. Uh, the other movies that we're going to talk about have muffed lines, dark shots that you can't tell what's going on, pure incoherence. But this is a charmingly bad professional movie. All right. You could have made a good movie here. And they decided to make Appointment with Fear. It doesn't even make sense as a title. I guess. Well, yeah, you wouldn't make an appointment with fear. It's, it's an appointment with destiny? I missed my appointment with fear. Appointment with horror? Although it's not a scary movie in the least. Appointment with killing a child? Terrible fucking title, right? Yeah, it's not a good title. Appointment with fear. Hard to describe bad movies in general because there are a lot about atmosphere and craziness. So, right. But this movie actually well, is kind of coherent. Probably the first thing people think about with a bad movie is that it doesn't make sense, yeah. that the story yeah. is bad. And yeah. this story is so all over the place. It we, makes sense on paper. We have a character who is possessed by an Egyptian god. Yeah. Who has to kill his kid to continue living. Yeah. That's the and plot. And he's in L.A., and, uh, but like, he's a, he's already a killer. We don't know why. And he's in a coma. He's in a coma in an, in an asylum. A, a criminal asylum, I think. Yeah. Right. It's a, it's a patio. <laughs> it's a fucking patio. It's, it's a not big, a good stage. I love that. You don't even get like gurneys going by and like one guy who's like picking, you don't even get other zanies, you know, usually asylum shots. They love to have. Oh, some guy with guys, a. Guys. Playing ping Vietnam, pong with himself. and they're talking about yeah. Vietnam, or some guys like you know reading an old newspaper and saying you know that they don't have time for. That's the plot. A policeman shows up first, trying to stop him, as he's about to kill his ex-wife, his wife, and kid. And nobody believes the cop that he's running around because he's on a coma bed. Ah uh, shit! Um, look, all right, thanks, John. And we'll take it from here. Thanks a lot, uh, Kowalski. You want to come over here? I'd like to talk to you. Now, what the hell are you I doing? I saw him this morning. He tried to run me down. Who? That same lunatic I had locked up. That, 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 that same guy. I know he's after her. Are you still going on with this? Look, Kowalski, when are you going to get it through your head? You're off the case. Yeah, because this guy's in a coma. It's right. not like... It's not ridiculous to dismiss this cop. No. It makes perfect sense to dismiss him. We know he's right, but yeah. Right. So everybody else is like, you're wrong. But he's one of those cops that doesn't have to check in. Right. So we have a cop who's invested in the story because he's tracking this guy. Yeah. But then every other character in it is by accident. They happen to be there yeah. when this the, guy kills his wife. Yeah, two of the, char- two of the characters are there, right? There's, yes. There's an incoherent party across the street from where the woman is sitting and has hidden her baby in the bushes right next to the steps. Right. Thank God it's a quiet baby. The husband comes up and awkwardly stabs her. Very awkwardly stabs her. It's, yeah, it's, it's right off the bat, you know you're dealing with... Weird. It's not the way you kill people. Don't hurt him. He's our own son. You can't hurt your own son. He's going to live. You won't find him. He's going to live. Yeah, there's an awkward murder that, doesn't, that plays right. out... Like comic right. book so now, so now we have the kid is picked up by this girl who's in who's in liquid sky makeup who has just done an old person contemporary new wave art interpretive dance right. at an old person's party right and her friend is there who records stuff 
on a microphone With and a just boom, like what do they call is that a, a parabolic sh- parabolic yeah she's like walked out of uh the conversation conversation uh or uh the De Palma rip uh oh. blowout and right. so you think the important things are this girl her friend the sound equipment the cop and the baby and then it's like you got two scoops of ice cream and then some asshole comes in and pours gravy on it right and and, and it just gets crazier yeah uh, it gets crazy it spends the first 20 minutes just following the parabolic girl to other people's houses so you can meet all the characters and then you find out that you don't know who, what a note i had here is that everything is wrong basics are wrong simple introductions of characters by name their relationships where whose house are we in i said it's marvelous it's just so free of it's so free of the constraints of filmmaking are these two sisters is he an asylum director no he's a cop why is there a homeless man living in the flatbed of her truck why are people teleporting okay i had an answer for that the editing was fucked up (laughs) it wasn't just the guy because the killer astral projects himself he can only do that he has no brains after that he sits and waits for things to happen Ugh. it says it's a collection of scenes stolen from 12 movies dialogue switches on the nose to random writing exercises i hate the thought of going to college and i really hate the thought of going out and getting a job and now i have to decide on one or the other so so <laughs> to hell with it <laughs> It really is when you then you meet her somewhat the, the parabolic girl meets sexy girl, right? Who is willing to take her clothes off for the movie, and why does she go to the library? That's a, ne- a new character, the librarian who comes back later. Every character they go back to, uh, so you end up with like twenty characters in this stupid movie, which is more than a budgeted movie usually has. Right, and there's nothing about it that's that makes linear sense. You don't no. go from A to B. So No, it's true. You go from A to K right. back to B. You don't right. know who characters are until 40 minutes into the movie. You go, that's our mother. Right. It really keeps you off guard. And at least it's inept funny, so you don't get too mad at that. Because it's being ridiculous. The dialogue is terrible. You can, you, it's hard to tell what they're trying for in each scene. You feel that the whole world is against you, Carol. No, I don't. You, you need help. You need help. And you know what? What? An iron ring crushes your head ruthlessly. And when all appears lost to you, who do you find standing here before you, ready to defend you from all that's evil? Who? Who, me? <laughs> How's that sound? Sounds like unrealistic bullshit brought on by heavy boozy. So yeah, so the cop is looking for this Egyptian god, who everybody says is right here in the asylum. But he's chasing down clues. They don't really seem to be clues. This, the parabolic sound girl seems to know something and she's hunting down? Yeah, every couple of minutes, there's a new scene that has you baffled. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> Why is this? Why? Why the fuck is this happening? Why have we come to this? And then the thing is, the effects are hilarious. Uh, they're really pretty bad. You get a lot of blue lights and lasers and dumb shit. Right. And they're, I mean, it's the kind of movie where somebody write, they think this is a really cool, they go, do you believe in dreams? Because there's, oh yeah, I guess there's Freddy Krueger shit in it too. Sure. But kind of more like bad dreams that weird. Do you ever see that? Of course. Because character goes, you know, when they get into a big exposition thing where they're going to finally tell you what they think is going on, they go, do you believe in dreams? What? <laughs> and I'm laughing. I'm like, do you believe in dreams? Cut. Everybody believes in right. dreams. Do you believe 
Do you believe that dreams have meaning? Do you believe that dreams tell you the future? Do you believe that we should listen? Do you believe in dreams? I'm just like this. And what happens is you're used to a certain way of filmmaking. So it's, it's like Chekhov's gun, right? Yeah, it you is. Expect, over and over. Right. You ex they keep on introducing yes. things that you think yeah. will come back and matter. And Some they, of them do. But, but they don't matter. But they don't really matter. They don't matter. They'll you, they show a doll. It's creepy. They show they it again do? and they, again. And again. And then they do something with the doll and it's fucking stupid. But because you've seen movies, you think the doll is going to get possessed because they right. keep showing the creepy doll from different angles. And there is a language to film. And like you were saying, they don't, they don't understand the language of film in this movie. No. That if you show, if, if a guy, instead of pulling a gun, this one pulls, uh, the cop keeps throwing his cigarettes into his own car when he wants to instead of throwing them on the ground i think it was the joke is he's not throwing his hat in the car but he throws his lit his stubs and he burns his car like three times it's just stupid right it's a contrivance it's weird to see a movie that looks like a regular movie but is completely fucking bad movie the entire way through right in a, in a hilarious inept no one would release some this. recognizable old actors so it doesn't feel like Norman the, the, the homeless guy who lives in the back of the truck and you expect from watching movies that the way he's presented is that he's going to be a kind of being there Gandalf type of character he's going to show up with his talk about God and his philosophies and counter this Egyptian demon. What is it today? Oh, you're always asking me to do things. But you're never there for me. Nobody cares for Norman. No one ever did. Not even you. I ask myself why. Why am I here? What purpose do I serve? Does he? Nope. No. He just starts talking shit and I think falls. And dies. I mean, he he gets to see the demon, I think. Yeah, but he, well, adds, he confronts He him. adds nothing. He's totally like Scatman Crothers in The Shining. But he's also a lot like Boba Fett. He's just a blue ball character yeah. who's like, I'm going to have weight here. You invest in him, there's no reason to invest right. him. The sound, the parabola thing, I can't remember exactly what they did. I think that she kind of used it to notice he was around. Yeah. Because you can use sound equipment... To detect astral projection? Sure, let's go with that. Okay, but the dog, but animals can see him. Animals can see, but I guess they think they could see ghosts. But he, and he's petting the dog in that one scene. It's, it's really interesting. Baby killer throughout time hangs out with dogs and waits outside for his time to kill people inside. Right. Why bother to astral project when you can just do it in a, plus he doesn't astral project to the baby. I don't think they explain that he can't sense the baby. I, but he doesn't even, he just kills all these other people for no reason whatsoever. Right. The weird thing is the ending. Just is how inept it is. It pays off the ending. If you want to avoid spoilers for Appointment with Fear, a movie from 1985 that no one's ever heard of and probably no one wants to see, skip ahead 50 seconds. Ends with um, our Liquid Sky Girl yeah. holding the baby. They've defeated the Egyptian I guess we're guy. blowing this because we don't... Right. I, don't I, li I, Yeah, we can always have a horror horn or a warning. Going, because the movie... Makes no sense. It's one of those movies right. where it basically cheats all. It, it, it has its own sort. You're supposed to do something to him, and they do it, but it doesn't work, right. and then nothing works, and then you can't so, shoot him, but you can pierce him. They start yelling, pierce him, which is fucking hilarious. Yeah. Use the pole. Pierce him. Pierce him, Carol. <laughs> pierce him. <laughs> the thing is, at the end of a, a film, you think you've defeated the evil, yeah. and something comes back. So... Just at the end credits, 
we have a shot of little baby and his eyes glow yeah. in the cheapest way. It's fucking hilarious. And then as the credits roll, there's just a, pictures a of a knife. hand with a knife. With a knife, yeah. Yeah, it's really Which, bad. But it's not a yeah. slasher they film. Put move, a... They put time into that. I mean, they said, look, we got to have something for the credits. They texture up everything. Everybody's character is in their props. It's one of those kinds of things. Yeah. And there's so many characters that you end up with a ton of props. So if, you, if this film ever became a huge thing, you could wear hats... You could have cigarettes, you could you could have knives, you could have your new wave paint, you could have parabolic sound equipment, you could have whatever costumes they wore in the big porn house at the end that they were supposed to have the party at. You can uh, wear the, the Jughead character, the, his coat. Uh, there was, wasn't there an object? There's, I think somebody was doing cocaine or something and the lines were all... Oh no, they were eating cheese. I'm sorry. I, it's such an 80s movie that when they're cutting the cheese up on there, I was like, I'm surprised they didn't make this cocaine. Somebody comes back and actually gets the only clue in the movie. Was... Who would cut up cheese and then walk away? Well, I'll eat the cheese. Right, I was so pissed off when they left the cheese. Don't leave that cheese out. Right. You could have a mannequin. But what show up you and, have? You can't have a motorcycle with a sidecar probably, but what? But you can't have a story. Well, you can't have a story. You could bring a baby. You could bring a creepy doll. You've heard of Son of Sam, right? Yes. He's a serial killer. Mm. Have you heard of another Son of Sam? Unfortunately, yes. Me too. So we're going to talk about another Son of Sam. Does this movie have anything to do with Son of Sam? I thought it would. I thought somebody would go, hey, it's like we have another Son of Sam. Well, I believe in the beginning there's titles that talk about serial Holy killers. You, yeah, you're fucked right from the beginning of this movie. It's about... Somebody got a Lumpanics book on serial killers in the <laughs> 80s, you know, and just said, this makes my whole movie mean something because I'm going to tell you about serial killers. And you get these really ugly titles about serial killers, then we get another Son of Sam. Although he could have been another Ed Kemper. Could have been anybody. Right. And he doesn't really Son of Sam stuff. Yeah. He's more a Richard Speck. Yeah, he's like kind of a Richard Speck, but then also he's kind of like a... Uh, you know, just a guy with a gun running away from the cops. And a face. Isn't he just a face? Well, they show his eyes a lot, like a curvy shot of his eyes. Right. Uh, it's very, it's, it's, I don't remember really the plot of Another Son of Sam. Another Son of Sam is fucking terrible. Let's put, it's fucking terrible. Well, I think it's the the worst experience I had with the move of any of these movies because well, it's the dullest well, in a he, lot of stretches. Well, let me ask you, how's the acting in it? There is no acting in it. It's, so how, it's random. It's I think it's one of those movies where I think they just got locals and newscasters and stuff to be walking around in it. How's the direction? Terrible. The editing? Now that's where things get interesting. The editing is really funny. So it's terrific. No. So what is it? It's garbage, but it's <laughs> it's funny garbage. The problem with this one is that it's conceptually more good bad than experientially. Is that the word? Than experiencing it, it's it's almost more fun to think about and to wonder about because it's so poorly made and ridiculous and terrible. And if you're somebody who can take a little bit of boredom with your good bad, I mean, part of the reason we're lumping this in is because it the others aren't like this one, and because it's Brian's fault. It's Brian David Brian, Marshall's fault. Brian David Marshall goes, "Oh, appointment with fear." Have you seen another Son of Sam? So that's a dare, 
And I wouldn't have made an appointment with another son of Sam as quickly, if I, you know what I mean? As yeah. a, as a point with fear. It stinks. But it's inept. Deadpan, serious, and inept. Can I make a full disclosure? You go for it. I cannot remember a fucking thing about this okay. movie. Well, here's the thing that I remembered. I took notes, but I don't know where they are. Do I have them? First, another son of Sam gives you a lesson in serial killers. Okay. With the credits that we talked about. So you get a, a rundown of 70s and 80s serial killers and how this is going to be the wave of the future. And it, uh, it's the spine of the movie. It's the, uh, you know, it's a pretentious, idiotic, this is based on a true story kind of thing. Whenever you see somebody throwing facts at you on, uh, at the beginning of a movie, you know you're fucked. It's generally, unless those facts are, it was a bad time for the rebellion <laughs> or the prison situation in New York City is that, you know, you have to escape from New York. That's different. That's world building. But when you are going up to people basically in the first five minutes you move and go, I read a book on serial killers. I got the Time Life book on serial killers. Let me show you what I know. And you get, and it was ridiculous. It goes for like five minutes, it felt like. Like, holy shit, I don't right. care. It's coming back to me, but then the next scene makes a lot of sense, right? It's a guy on a boat. It's a guy on a boat. Who is that guy? I don't remember. It's one of, <laughs> I think it's a main character. I don't, here's the funny thing. I don't remember our main character. <laughs> I do not remember our main character. I remember, I think the main character comes up on a boat with his wife or girlfriend. She doesn't come back, I think. I think they have a talk about something. Did, did he, he kill gets her? called? No, no, he's not another um, son of Sam. Well, son of Sam wasn't married. I was trying to think of a married guy, Jeffrey McDonald. He's not another Jeffrey McDonald or Michael McDonald. That's a. God, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. What does this movie mean? He shows up from the bayou or something with his wife. They have some money. And I think he gets, they get that, you know, ba-dum-bum. There's a job for you, main character. Ba-dum-bum. I gotta go. That's good, that's good singing. da 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 Let's go meet this guy at a club. Ba-bum-bum. Okay, let's go. I don't know right. why I'm doing this. They go to a club. Right. And then at the club, you get two things. Ugly ass 70s fashion. Well, that's your opinion. I thought you were going to say that's European. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> You get some ugly-ass, possibly European fashion, and then you get, you get dinner and a show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Treehouse Lounge. We now proudly present Johnny Charo. She cried and walked away just yesterday. And like a fool, I let her go. So there's a singer, right? We see a singer. Motherfucker, sing. this guy. You get this bad Neil Diamond who obviously is some local big deal at the uh, Holiday Inn, whatever, bars. He, but he's got the outfit. He's got his shitty Neil Diamond Elvis spangly outfit. He does a song. I don't remember the song. He's terrible. He's, he's, he's SCTV cheesy, you know what I mean? And, uh, uh, and I figure, wow, this guy's going to be involved and in, maybe he's going to get killed. Yeah, what happens to him? He just gets his career promoted and <laughs> we're gone. So, so I believe he, we lose he him. Come back. He does not come back. So this one I like because it's got so many, so many examples of bad filmmaking. Well, and, and what do you mean by bad filmmaking, Evan? I, now you're you're an NYU film that graduate. Do, yeah, which means that I could I can't even get a job delivering pizza <laughs> at, or know how to do it. Um, well, I, anybody who's ever watched the movie can figure these out really easily. When a scene ends and they leave in a freeze frame, once you think. 
maybe this is a weird affected idea of being dramatic or but th these aren't freeze frames the way that you you know them these this is inept editing and filmmaking they don't have enough coverage for things uh the first case where the a woman hangs the phone up and then freezes and the and the shot takes and you can actually see something wrong with the film right so that you should definitely leave that into your production then <laughs> there's a scene that we couldn't quite understand where the killer escapes and if we're reading it right the killer ran out in front of the main cop or main character stopped his car right in front of him and ran off the police officer in this small town a should know him by face because there's a famous killer uh, a famous situation here who there's a murder a multi-murderer in locked into the uh uh hospital one he should know the guy Two, he should know something's wrong when a guy runs out of a hospital into your car and then runs off. Three, we then establish that the guy's got blood all over his hands. So, I don't know, a few weird scripting choices. But mainly the reason they did that is that they couldn't figure out how to have their character run in front of the car. Well, I think this is They one show of, his face. See, here's the thing. When you see the Only, killer, yeah. you see his face, his eyes. The same shots, too. And, yes. And then sometimes you see... A body, yeah. you see a hand that's bloody, but you never see a body with the face of the killer. Nope. It's as if they forgot to shoot that. This or is, for some reason they had they to add that. None of this was boarded. You could tell that they're making this stuff up shot by shot as they're going. They're using, lo <laughs> they're using locals. They're using point of view shots like the Michael Myers things, but you don't know their point of view shots. Now they're using slow motion for absolutely no reason whatsoever. This is a 71-minute movie. Whereas Appointment with Fear is wrong in all the ways they presented everything and actually wrote everything and directed everything. This is wrong in every which way that you can make a film, you know? You are confused at multiple times. It's a slow-moving movie and you can't tell what's going on because they have to put the camera literally in people's faces because they don't have cover shots. They also just have shots of, of the camera on the ground as someone's walking. And how is that... Point of that's not point of view. That's point of somebody doubled over about to fall. It's point of dog's view. So I didn't know that this was. We're watching our guy. They they're using all the bag of tricks. They're using you know weird editing. They're using slow motion. They don't know how to do that. There's a lot of Ed Wood going on in here, but it's not endearing. No. But I find this movie watchable with friends because it's. You can't believe that this was made. It is so bad. You know what it is? It's a slow burn. Good, bad. Oh, movie. yeah. It's a slow burn, good, bad movie. It's um, terribly acted. No. You'll be the first to hear of any leads that do turn up, Captain Thompson. Yes, well, I certainly appreciate your help and the cooperation of your entire department. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Who is it? Uh, there's one scene where you can tell that the guy's waiting for them to call action. Two characters enter that scene, and it ends on another freeze frame, but their dialogue continues for about three more lines. That's fucking amazing. Yeah. There's a murder that happens, and sound from the murder, which you see off screen, which you don't, you don't see this murder, but the sound continues over the next shot of a car driving. Right. It's fucking insane. It's just garbage. It's just an example of garbage. And the 71 minutes does feel like 90, but if you're up for it... The other thing is it doesn't feel like a horror movie in a lot of ways. I mean, it's it's really like a kind of 
procedural procedural crime, crime. procedural not, would have like fingerprints a right? procedural would actually have police officers thinking about things and doing things the police officers in this movie basically just frown a lot and drive places and then they hear about a new murder and then at the end they get a SWAT team I mean the SWAT team's great there's a, there's a scene where a character is rappelling down a building <laughs> and it is the Sweat. most awkward frightened it's, man yeah. Yeah. on a rope on the side yeah. of a building yeah yeah. It's terrible. It's like they're torturing this poor guy. They did not get a guy who knows how to do repelling, mountain, cliff, or building repelling. I don't think he's ever repelled in his life. But it's it's fucking. It's great watching a movie that doesn't know what the fuck it's doing. It's just that it doesn't know what it's doing slowly. And this is a movie where there's not as many belly laughs, but it is amazing to see adults, some of them older than twenty, spending their time on a home movie. A fucking home movie right. that kids make better movies than this. It's just awful. If you want to watch a lot of newscasters and probably real police officers and stuff, walk, and truck drivers walking around, and nurses getting forms, filling out forms, handing forms, looking for things. Um, it fails as a cop movie. It fails as a <laughs> horror movie. It fails as a thriller. It fails. It's badly made. So why are we talking about it? It's great. It kind of is, right? Yeah. It's not as good as A Point With Fear because A Point With Fear is like a party. If you like regional bad films with bad acting, you'll I think you know what I mean. If you're listening to this podcast, you'll, you'll check it out. It's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. There's not one good scene, but there's a lot of good bad scenes. Yeah. Hi, and welcome to TV9 News. I'm Amber Lynn. I have my baby. I never thought I'd have to live with the dead. Things, a horrifying sensation that'll rip apart your soul. Things. Things. You had mentioned things couple of times and i realized i don't know what this is what is well it was it, it came up years ago as you know if you love the worst movies Crap. ever made yeah this might be the literally the worst movie ever made it's a it's a contender it really is i mean i i read people writing about it because after i saw it i was i was not in a good place and it's this is this movie gave me a headache if i saw this movie in the theater no, I don't think that would be like possible. I feel like I would have thrown up on myself. The movie is... It's like watching something that's out of focus. For for all I know, it is out of focus. Things is... Of the four movies we're talking about, this is the worst-looking movie. The hardest to watch. I, at the end of the movie, I was actually very uncomfortable, and not because of the... It's just uh, numbing. It seems to be twice as long. And it's not slow in some parts. I don't even know... Usually you can tell what someone's going for even in a bad movie i can't i have no idea what's going on in the in the part in the head of this person i don't know if they're trying to be funny trying to be scary trying to be weird if this literally was a bunch of guys getting high and just fucking around it's incomprehensible things yeah it's like people fucking around in their house it feels like uh cable access but it's so ugly and stupid and badly lit and 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 shot 
and grimy, and the people are so creepy looking. I mean, this is a movie where I, I think the reason people seem to know about this movie is a fascinating piece of garbage that a lot of people, you know, are like discover and have to check out because they never heard of it or they've the reputation got to them. And B, it's a movie that puts a porn star in it. And that got a lot of people to look at it, which apparently is what is well, it was done after the fact. Another movie that has somebody go, This is what right. is this Michigan's bullshit? We'd have to fix something. The way they fix it is by putting uh Amber Lynn, eighties porn star, into scenes where she's a newscaster. Right. And then some other people show up that are supposedly part of the newscast. And the newscast set is a bunch of televisions behind her. And she's talking about random events, but then later on in the movie starts talking about the movie itself. Which is actually more interesting than it sounds. Hi, and welcome to TV9 News. I'm Amber Lynn. I'm Johnny Scott. We are your hosts for today's broadcast, following top news stories of the day. We will speak briefly with the leader of the Soviet Union concerning topics of the George Bush administration and the threat of nuclear war. Right. It opens with the horror scene because they got at least that right. But the scene itself is really off-putting and weird because it doesn't... You don't know where you stand in it. And it's, it's, it has to do with the birth of the monsters. Right. Isn't this... That's the woman who gave birth to a bunch of things which look like right, but clay... That's shopper toys projects that some you know evil children put together and they're lit and filmed so badly it's a good thing they're called things because i don't know what the fuck they are they look like lobsters with pipe cleaners and shit on them or something like that it's really hard to figure out what's going there it's a extraordinarily fucking bad movie it's it's kind of torturous at parts. Well, it has a thin story that allows <laughs> it's, for it's way for thin. Yeah, we're gonna have gore scenes. There's two and, guys in a in a cabin who are drinking, and one of them keeps fucking with the other one. He puts bugs for real in his pizza or some shit like yeah. that. Yeah, and they basically just mumble. And then there's scenes. There's weird gore effects. One is, weird... one is the brother of a guy who's in trouble because he made things or something like that. I believe they're brothers in it, yeah. Yeah. Or something. The, guy, the thing maker, the, the first guy comes back later, and that's when you remember that there was that. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even remember that. But it's just an excuse for them to make weird puppets and weird gore effects. And and it doesn't happen, for, but it's just everything about it is, it's just. Did you laugh during this movie? Not a lot. Yeah. I, I laughed at the brothers once in a while because they sort of, well, their Canadian accents, not because they were Canadian, but they, it sounded a lot like... Uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie trying to make a horror movie except there's nothing funny. No, I was just sort of like, I guess the word gobsmacked. I was just, it was just, I can't believe this is still going. They try for intentional laughs, but it's just fucking garbage. I mean, everyone seems drunk. I wouldn't be surprised if everybody's crocked. Yeah. And it seems like they're making their lines up. I laughed when the villain came back, when they remembered that they had a villain in this movie. Oh God, what a horrible mess. This is ghastly, brutal, horrible, insane, blooded guts. That's all that's left of her. Mmm, that's human blood, all right. Never alive, we're all gonna get you. We don't wait a long, long time. It's hard to recommend this movie. It is hard to recommend it, but if you're listening to this podcast, you know, try it. I would totally watch this with a crowd if the director would be there to explain 
something. Yeah. It's, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's it's just something you have to have seen. Would you watch it again? This is one of the things that we remember we were talking with Brian. Would you watch another Son of Sam again? By yourself? No. No. Would you watch uh, Things again by yourself? No. No, I would not. Would you watch Appointment with Fear again by yourself? No. Um, But yeah, would you watch Things with a group of people in the house? No. Really? No, I don't want to see this again. (laughs) Fuck this movie. on Highway 5. They were young and in love. He was crazy. She was dead. You know Jason in Friday the 13th. Now meet Bartholomew. Watch this film or die. Horror House on Highway 5. Horror House on Highway 5, yes. It's, it's, it's got a great title. The title is fucking awesome, okay? This was another movie that I had heard about years ago. I had no idea what this was. It was just another one of these classic, this is so bad, you you know, yeah. a horror film that no one's seen or heard of because of whatever, and here it is, you gotta watch it. And I watched, I think, ten minutes of it, yeah. and I said, fuck this movie, and I stopped watching it. And then you said... I had watched the whole thing, and I thought it was worth seeing. I, I was like, you should watch it, the first ten minutes are terrible. And really hard to get through. So I, I watched it three or four times. I laughed so hard. I laughed a lot. I was I was surprised that I laughed and I was by myself. It's a comedy. It's purposely a comedy. It reminds you of, of Blood Diner. Blood Diner. Aspects of it reminded me of Forbidden Zone. It's not as exciting or coherent as Blood Diner. I don't think Blood Diner is a good movie. But what I'm saying is Blood Diner is an over-the-top, ridiculous movie. It's a, it's a stupid movie made by people who know it's stupid. Blah, blah, blah. Um, I think it's better than a trauma movie. Horror House on Highway 5 is just enough intentionally funny moments, enough unintentionally funny moments, enough why are they doing this moments, and then ultimately, what was the point of this? It's another what was the point of it movies, because things don't connect up. They feel like they filmed them over years. They probably did, you know? So the film has that kind of incoherence where characters don't really hook up with other characters well, I think you could see one of our leads our female leads definitely wears a wig at different parts yeah. it reminds me of Forbidden Zone in this kind of like it's campy on purpose you know it's not to be taken seriously it reminds me a little bit of Blood Diner because it's just trying to be nuts yeah it's, again this is the most entertaining movie of all of them for me in some ways um, because I was surprised by it in the way that I was surprised by Appointment with Fear, except there were parts of it where I couldn't tell what the fuck was going on. That's You always got that. But the Horror House on Highway 5 is the good things, you know what I mean, in a lot of ways. It, ha- it has that sort of vibe. A lot of darkness, a lot of just two people talking shit. Yeah. But it's also got that Mother's Day quality in the the two bad guys are dumb but one of them smart dumb or th- thinks he's smart dumb. And I mean, it has real jokes in it. They don't always work. Oh, right. But I mean, the first 10 minutes is, is a slasher scene that doesn't work. Well, at one point, a person's being stalked yeah. by someone. By a guy in a Nixon mask. Right. She thinks it's her boyfriend or husband, yeah, but it's Halloween not. Yeah, Halloween scene, yeah. But she has no emotions. She <laughs> literally has no... Mo- she is not doing anything 
but standing there. She shows no fear. That scene goes no on more. for like five, six minutes. And, and, it's, and it's idiotic and dull and stupid and yeah. weird and... I'm not a cook! <laughs> oh, it's you. D- did you know it was me? No, I thought it was a garbage man. Come on, admit I had you going for a second there. I'll say it, especially with that hiding in the bushes routine. Bushes? The plot of this movie is, it's similar to, the, to things in a way. Because we have a killer on the loose who is a scientist. Right. I believe he's a Nazi. He is, yeah, he's a Nazi. That's right, that's right. He's a Nazi. He has two sons who are carrying on his business, although they're... Idiots. Idiots down on their luck. Who are fulfilling some sort of prophecy or following his right they're following his writings in a book. There's two other characters who are out in a van. There's a scene with a professor. The professor's the worst. That is the funniest that's when I said I've gotta finish watching this movie. Yeah. Right here, off Bold Highway Five, is the community of Littletown, which strangely was the place where Bartholomew completed his post-World War II experiments. There's a small field right here, which would be the perfect place for you to complete your research. I'm sorry I'm late. Please be on time, Sally. I will. The scene that clinched this movie for me was the scene where the, they're clearly not in New York. The two New Yorkers drive up in a car to the Nixon mask killer. My dad says that a college degree is as important as a high school diploma was when he was a kid. Hey, Joe. That guy's played by uh, a music reviewer, like a punk music reviewer. Who looks like Bruce Campbell and my brother-in-law violently thrust together. They gave him no dialogue. And he says something. No, he's just standing there. He's not doing anything. Get out of the road, you fucking zombie. Hey, I'm gonna fuck you, man. I love the fact that he says, I'm gonna fuck you. Not planned. And the actress sitting behind him realizes what he said and she just starts laughing she laughs and looks at the director because she's this is not going in the movie right you can see right there like we've blown this scene nope just leave it in this one probably has the easiest plot to explain of these movies tonight you have a, a guy in a nixon mask killing people who's apparently a nazi scientist you have his two kids you have college students Two college kids sent to investigate the bazaar. Shaggy and Thelma in a van. And you know what it said? It said that back in the 60s, when the government got through with them, that he flipped out. He, he became this LSD guru. He started saying all kinds of crazy things. He got into black magic. And then all the people he was hanging out with started disappearing. And then he disappeared. People thought he... People thought he was dead, but but no one knew. You think that pot is helping you to think straight? You're right. The stuff's making me paranoid. I didn't think of it that way. You're he right. He smokes pot, and, she, and she's got glasses, and, and she's, she's into technology, smart. and she's smart, yeah. and builds a rocket, right. which makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And then you've got a kidnapping plot because they need a woman for the Nazi thing. And the younger brother, the dumb one, falls in love with her. I think the two of them are genuinely funny. Don't let her get away. Oh, I thought she was coming right back. She might not. 
Or she might bring someone with her. Oh, no. Go down to the alley and bring her up the back steps. Oh. Grab her. All right, but, but, but where's the sack? Where's the chloroform? It's not, it's not grand comedy, but the two of them are genuinely entertaining, yeah. which I wasn't expecting. And, yeah, I mean, I kind of ended up liking the characters. I mean, what happens is all over the fucking place. It right. might test your patience. And a, a lot of people hate the actual horror house aspect of the horror house because the horror house isn't a horror house <laughs> because the two Nazi sons are in there. But the horror house actually is a bizarre series of rooms and corridors that are in the house that they're hiding in that they don't even seem to know about that their father installed in there. So when you get into the horror house, which people somehow do, it becomes the, like the worst phantasm movie you ever saw. There's, there's telekinesis and endless rooms and crazy lights. It's kind of bad and hurts your head. It was the only time it gets things like for me. And I know that turns a lot of people off because it's really badly done. Mm. And it's just like having an air horn in your, in your, and lights <laughs> in your eyes. And everybody ends up at this house somehow, which seems impossible. I, I think this is a legit cult movie, the way that people tend to think of cult movies. It's not well made. You can see what they're going for, and they have a sense of humor about it. And it's funny in a lot of places where they want it to be funny. Like, this is not a horrifying scene of a guy getting stopped by the killer and killed on a moonlit road with his date. This is just Forbidden Planet jerkiness. Right. You know what I mean? These characters sound like they could be in Forbidden Planet. Yeah. Well, that one. Nixon never talks. But they know that they're putting these stereotypical characters out there and doing old kind of vaudeville-style jokes with Nazis and, and Goombas and stuff like that. And uh, it worked for me. The horror stuff doesn't really work very well, to be honest. You no, know, no. I think the horror the stuff is the worst part. The horror stuff is really not very good. Yeah. I found this a good comedy and a bad horror movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and except the ending is very strange. Well, the ending, has not to weird, give it away. Yeah, not to give it away has an affecting it, out of an oddball. It feels like they're going for some kind of Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah, ending. Yeah, yeah, out of no, Because it comes out of nowhere? Yeah. It's the only time there's real tension in the movie. I mean, there's the only time that the horror movie part of it kicks in and you go, what the fuck is going on in here? All of a sudden, I'm worried about a character. Yeah. You're not supposed to be worried about a character. No. And it's a very short ending. It makes no sense. No, not... It makes no sense. It's got bad movie logic. Where characters it's, are and how they're acting. It's a tropey scene that you've yeah. seen in a bunch of yeah. other movies done, but it doesn't make sense it's, in this It's movie. unearned because, yeah, it, it, the way that they do it, it's not like a character just kicks back to life or... Like, I'm sitting there at the end of the movie and, and it, it's absolutely unearned but I'm sitting there going wow I feel weird I'm thinking about another character I'm wondering how he fits in and you know and that's like, I'm not supposed to be thinking that way about this piece of shit movie but I, I found this movie endearing I like it I'll, I'm not I'm not I don't feel guilty that I liked it yeah I found it hilarious I, I, I yeah. loved watching it I could imagine seeing this with a crowd of people oh, I'd watch it again I could watch it by myself again but I, I might you know my, my mind might wander during a couple of psychedelic nice. scenes and now what we watched. I've never seen anything like it. The Retribution of Tormented Souls is about to be unleashed. Soul Survivor. It will never rest alone. Yeah, I watched um, 
Soul Survivor, which I really, really enjoyed. I did too. I don't think it's the greatest movie I ever saw, but I remember thinking it was just off kilter enough. Did a few things differently that it kept me going throughout the whole thing. It just felt like a good spin on things you you, you were already aware of. I liked, what year is it? Do you remember? Oh, I'll have to look that up. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't remember anything. I don't remember any actors being in it. 1984. Wow. Um, earlier than I thought. I'd never heard of it. I never rented it in the day. Yeah. The cover looks like a Japanese zombie movie to me. It does look like um, an Italian contamination ripoff film or right. something like that. So it's 1984. It's essentially kind of sort of the plot of the Final Destination films. Which I have not seen. Neither have I. I don't feel like Soul Survivor is the blueprint for them. Uh, I'm sure this all comes down to some ghost story. That was written, some Victorian ghost story. Whatever. Right. Because I know that there's an episode of uh, Nightfall, the Canadian series from, I think, actually the 80s, which is about somebody who survives an accident, hears footsteps. Right. Maybe it's based on a short story, in fact, because some of them were. But yeah, I mean, I wish I could pinpoint the history of the you were supposed to die, fate wants you dead. It feels like a 70s film, yes. but it's an 80s film. It reminds me of a lot. Of Blue Sunshine. It reminds me of Blue Sunshine. Like an early Romero. Yes. Like Season because, of the Witch. Because of the, the weird isolation shots outside yeah. and stuff. And a, it reminded me a little bit of uh, uh, Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Yes. Only in the weirdness of characters coming upon other characters or scenes. And they're quiet. They're creepy. You're not sure what to make of them. That's when the movie really kicks in, if I remember. It's a Twist. very slow movie. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's got a kind of... Not very engaging romance going on. Not at all. Not at all. It's a slow-moving movie. It's not about, you know, set pieces of kills. It's not not about gore. It's not that. Feels like it would be better suited as a short piece in an anthology film, maybe. I think it It needs the build. I think think it needs the build, even if it doesn't doesn't work on all, fire on all cylinders. But it's, I thought it was really satisfying because, like this kind of movie, it's the mood, it's the tension. Do they draw you in care for this character? Yes. They don't have a Grim Reaper coming. You know, there isn't this... You're not being chased by a boogeyman. Right. Who's basically death or death's uh, emissary or, or whatever. But they, they come up with the conceit that she starts she starts getting harassed by dead people. In, a, in that quasi-it-follows way? Yes. Yes. Which, yes. Which it follows reminded me of... I mean, not to knock... It follows. They're all part and parcel of this kind of thing. And they, t- they did their own spin on it. Uh, which I didn't love, but... I don't think it's a bad movie, it follows. Yeah, the the movie goes into left field because you're not expecting that all of a sudden these basically zombies start showing up. And they're not, you know, busting doors down at this and that. But basically dead people start showing up. And the movie shifts into a very creepy... It gets new energy, but it's still a slow burn because she thinks she's going nuts. She's having problems with life and... Uh, after the accident there's a lot of reasons why she could be fucked up when you say dead people showing up it's literally cops are discussing how did this person who's been dead for a couple right. of days get over here? which is fascinating and then there's cr- crimes and, and bad shit happening because usually when you, the cops are involved they can't find out anything as an institution the cops cannot find out that yes we have ghosts demonic and oculus you know that there's the movie's going to end a specific way because there is no way on earth filmmakers are going to, unless it's a terrible old movie, there's no way on earth that you're going to see a newspaper headline that says, Cops figure it out. Ghost mirror killed everybody. Dad exonerated. Or 
Yeah, demon possesses six people. Cops figure it out because there's so many cops involved and so many people involved that you know this is going to be a downer ending where the person who tried to fix things is fucked and we're going to have a sequel maybe or whatever the fuck. But yeah, this one just all of a sudden, uh, it's one of the reasons it's good not to read about a movie too much, you know, because we cut out the big plot points and stuff. I had no idea that it was going to start going into undead shit. You know what it is? It's the hitchhiker. It's all the hitchhiker, really. The hitchhiker might have a precedence, too. The hitchhiker was written by the woman who wrote uh, Sorry, Wrong Number. Fletcher? She went on a trip, I believe, with her husband, and she thought she kept noticing a guy more than once, and she thought, oh, that's creepy. Well, imagine mm. if you kept seeing the same hitchhiker. Written for uh, Mercury Theater first, and then Suspense, blah, 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 Orson Welles. What we do have is a thriller. It's half as good as we think it is. You can call it a shocker. A story doesn't have to appeal to the heart. It can also appeal to the spine. Sometimes you want your heart to be warmed, and sometimes you want your spine to tingle. The tingling, it's to be hoped, will be quite audible as you listen tonight to The Hitchhiker. That's the name of our story, The Hitchhiker. And I love it. Twilight Zone does it. I had never seen it, so I watched it recently. It's done by many different people. There's lots of variances on the you died but don't know it. You haven't accepted it. And it's a great premise. But yeah, I think that's what this is, except this is what if the hitchhiker was multiple hitchhikers and they were not benign. It's a slow, interesting, Creepy good as hell. movie. Creepy as hell. Uh, when you watch a horror movie and you find, you, you find yourself rooting for somebody and you really feel like they're doomed, but you're still hoping, yeah. um, you know, they've got you in a good place. So what was the other movie we are going to talk about? Butcher? Baker. Uh, nightmare. Maker. An unsuspecting boy comes home to murder. Suddenly, his life becomes a nightmare. Was it the vicious act of a tormented stranger? Or is it someone close to home, caught in a web of bloody horror? He must find the truth or be the next victim. A chilling nightmare explodes in pure terror. See Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. Rated R. Starts Friday at a theater near you. Girls... Girls' School Screamers. Hi, I'm Dr. Butcher Baker Candlestick Maker, MD. My name is Dr. Robert Fisher. Yeah, Butcher... I keep saying Candlestick Maker. Yeah, Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. It's from 1981. Every time I've seen the trailer over the years, I've like, I've got to see this movie. It's a movie that I have only vaguely remembered because the title is so fucking ridiculous. The alternate title is worse. So shocking. So terrifying. So powerful. Night Warning has been named Best Horror Film of the Year by the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror. Butcher Baker, might, Nightmare Maker, at least goes, well, you're getting some exploitation here, right? It sounds a Whatever little like English body, though, to me. Yeah, but it sounds like there's some guy, and maybe there's a butcher and a candlestick maker. and they, you know, There's no there's, candlestick there's maker. no real butcher. There is some butchering, but she makes... There's a Nightmare Maker. There's a Nightmare Maker, and there is some... She does make dinner. I saw one person put it on online, and I agreed with them wholly. If this had had a horror director, just a decent horror director, this movie would be a classic. I'm not sure if it shouldn't be a classic anyway. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's an involving film, it, and it's a weird film, and it's it's Susan Terrell. She who I love. is fucking terrific. She's fantastic in this. Susan Terrell's pretty good in everything, even when she's going through a bad period in her life. R.I.P. Susan Terrell. I've known who Susan Terrell is ever since 1977. Because I was fascinated about animation, and I went to see Wizards, and I'm like, 
Who's doing the voice of the uh, narration? There will come a time on the planet Earth when science and technology will be long forgotten. When humanity will rise from the ashes of nuclear holocaust. When wizards will rule the world. 20th Century Fox presents Wizards. Over the uh, Mike Plug drawings, and it, I looked up the credits because I want to know everything. And then she's in Forbidden Zone. Right. But I had no idea she was th about this. I definitely would recommend it. You would never think this movie is going where it's going when you watch it. No. So essentially it opens up with a couple dying in a, a car crash. Right. Yeah. And their baby is being taken care of by someone you're going to learn who they are. It's a relative of one of the dead it's a people. Relative, you do yeah. find that out. The van crashes. In, it, it Good stunt work on the van. There's a, little, so, there's a lot of extra in that. There's a nice, boom, go to credits. Nice cold opening or whatever the fuck. And it's never as well directed again. Yeah. Unfortunately. The baby grows up... To be Leif Garrett? No, no, no. It's the other one. Uh, uh, Jimmy McNichol. Jimmy McNichol. There's obviously some weird... Relationship. Yeah, there's something... She babies him. Right. She it, babies him. And I, Susan Terrell is this seemingly very nice to get along with, overweening, caring for the safety of Jimmy McNichol. And, he's and a high school student with a girlfriend. Right, and it's... Who's... G Julia, Julia Duffy, Duffy, which I did not right. realize, because yeah. I was like, she's she looks familiar, and she's... I think she's really good in it. She's a great romantic lead. I really, you know, I really like her in this. It seems like, you know, Auntie or someone has desires for her nephew. She's being... That's kind of, you're getting this idea. It's hard to tell, but she's worse than you'd think, and she's crazier and than you And then it think. goes fucking crazy. Yeah, and then there are elements in there that you just never saw, see coming. Well, it's an interesting cast. You got, you got Julia Duffy, you've got Susan Terrell, and like, I'm there for anything Susan Terrell does because it's going to be weird. You get Jimmy McNichol coming off of teen idol stuff being in this weird right. movie. You've got, uh, is it Bo Svensson? Bo Svensson shows up as Who a cop. hard to, I'm never been, is Bo Svensson a good actor or a bad actor? I think he's really good at being, like, bad, if you know what I'm saying. He's really good at being off-putting. He's a good villain. He's a good. He's a scumbag in this. And it's really hard to tell if he's actually our villain or not. But you start getting right. clues. And he's. If he's a villain in it, that's the right. thing. There's an A and B villain trap because the subplot of this movie, I was not expecting, is Bo Svensson is... A uh, homophobic lunatic. Homophobic racist lunatic. And they don't shy about this. Oh, yeah. Right. He is as un-PC. I mean, he is not Archie Bunker. No, he's... He is a garbage cop who has a lot of power in his department. Other cops hate him, but there's nothing they can do. And he at first seems gruff and obnoxious. And as it goes, he gets worse and fucking worse. Right. And you have no idea what his role exactly in the movie is going to be. There's a scene in the police precinct just to show you what a piece of human yeah. garbage. Uh, the Mexican vagrant that he pulled in personally pulls him into the room. shows him his gun, I think, or something. I mean, it's intentional. Right. The, it becomes a plot point. He believes something else entirely is going on in the crime. He believes it involves... A member of the school staff who it turns out is homosexual. It's handled in a way that I wasn't expecting. I was waiting for things to go off the rails and become incredibly offensive. It is offensive. I'm not sure how it plays because the thing is they're clearly grappling with this. This is they're not shying away from this. They have a character who is is shown to be a good person. Right. Who's homosexual and stands up for himself, but not in the kind of way that you expect from movies and stuff. There's no speeches and shit like that. And there's a lot of real world problems in this movie that you're not expecting and that whole subplot 
which, ter- which is part of the main plot because this is the cop that's knocking at everybody's doors, and gets crazy. Yeah. You could have a whole movie just with Bo Svensson and not have Susan Terrell in it. But you don't feel like the fact that that's what the movie is no. detracts from anything. No. Yeah, no. I think it really works. No. And he brings a lot of attention to the movie because the ending... Oh, the ending is insane. It is a movie that if I was watching this with a group of people, we'd be going, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't remember much gore. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of small things. She's got these two obnoxious neighbors who are good friends of hers, and they, they seem to be there to, you know, the doorbells at the wrong time, oh shit. Mm. One of them ends up fucking going, I gotta look into this. Yeah. Very unexpected. Yeah. It has a lot of twists and turns that you're not expecting. I mean, yeah, it's about a, a crazy woman who can't let go of certain things right. and uh, well, she becomes depressed because he's he's starting to live his own life but it goes beyond right but you get she's in insane. this movie you get incest yeah murder racism homophobia Ser- serial killing it's um, yeah it's a, it's a weird it's, yeah. it's a weird movie it's a coming of age film poor uh, Jimmy McNichol and it has a bunch of things happening all at the end that pay off really well yeah. I mean, it's not perfect because the direction is flat. The guy's a TV director. If you had somebody like Carpenter doing this or just somebody who knew to make more out of a scene than what's in the script, yeah. definitely worth seeing. Find the podcast online at tearthemapartpodcast.home.blog. Listen on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play Music. Follow on Twitter at tearthempodcast. It stinks!